1: Today's podcast is sponsored by The Morning Navigator, a daily newsletter written by Tony Greer, who is a 30-year veteran trader in the financial markets. I think it's important to be responsible with your personal finances and investments, and it's hard to do that without understanding the markets. Now, this is where The Morning Navigator fills a specific need for me. If you're looking for actionable trade ideas or simply to educate yourself about the markets, then The Morning Navigator will help you to do both. It's an interesting, informative, and amusing daily read. Now, a subscription to the Morning Navigator normally costs $60 a month or $650 per year. However, my listeners can go to tgmacro.com, sign up for a free one-week trial, and apply the code Zuby, Z-U-B-Y, at checkout for a discount of either $10 off the $60 a month subscription or $100 off the $650 annual subscription. As you can infer, the annual subscription is a better deal. Either one is a win when it comes to understanding the global markets and managing your personal investments. So once again, you can sign up today for a free trial at tgmacro.com. Tgmacro.com. Go check it out. I am the man sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zubi podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the country where I grew up. We're going to be having a big discussion about Saudi Arabia. And to do this, I have got on Naif Harbi, who is the founder and the current president of a group called Saudis for Peace. How's it going, man? How are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing great, my man. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I'm looking forward to actually share a lot of, uh, of things in Saudi Arabia that people doesn't understand around the world, actually.
1: Yeah, sure thing, man. I'm, I'm grateful to have you on here because, you know, in lots of different interviews and all throughout my life, especially when I'm here in the UK or when I travel in Europe or America, I get a lot of questions about Saudi Arabia. And of course, with me, someone who grew up there living as an expat and who went to school there as an expat. I'm sure I'll have certain experiences and you being a Saudi national will have some different experiences and we'll be able to offer some perspective because I think it's a country that a lot of people have. It's one of the only countries in the world where almost everybody seems to have uh, an opinion and sometimes a very strong opinion, um, despite the fact that most people don't really know much about it, let alone have ever been there. So I think it would be I've I've been wanting to do this for a while and I think it'll be really, really interesting. But before we get into that, can you uh, just give a little bit of an introduction to who you are um, and where you're from?
2: Uh, so uh, I am from a city called Medina. It's in the western of Saudi Arabia. Medina is this city that a uh, Prophet Muhammad moved from Mecca to Medina. Uh, uh, and it's a holy city. Uh, uh, and I grew up in that holy city all my life. Uh, I did not, uh, like, until uh, I left Saudi Arabia in 2012, uh, I did not speak English at all, so mm. I was like zero English, and I went to the states. so okay. it's kind of the same experience like you 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 were you were you lived in Saudi Arabia and I lived my younger years in America as well. Mm, mm. Um, I moved to America alone, and uh, I had a, a lot of misconceptions about America, about westerns, about christian, sure. about Jewish.
1: What were some of those misconceptions out of interest?
2: Well, uh, judging people from uh, media, from TV or the mm. internet, w- was not a good thing, actually. like when I, ex- when I went there, I really understood what American are, what, uh, what, what, what their life is, how they, how they feel, how they think, what's their opinion about stuff. Uh, on the media, I-, I always thought that Americans or Christian or Jewish or other religions hate me as a Muslim, okay. which is not true at all. This actually changed over. Like when I went to the states, this is did not change. Like when I when I arrived to in the airport, it took Mm -hmm. time. It took uh, a lot of actions and moments that I realized. Oh, these people are not bad. I had the wrong idea. I, I, you know, I want to do that and I want to do that. So, pretty much, I went to Orlando, Florida, for three months. I met this cool group of people. Mm -hmm. and they were like christian and atheists and jewish and i was like oh my god these people are nice they were ordering me pizza i did not speak english they just picked the phone and order pizza. they they tried to teach me english it was a lot of cool things and they they gave me money sometimes so i was like oh okay i had all this bad ideas about them and it's not fair uh uh, and uh, when i went to arizona state when I did my bachelor degree uh, someone in campus called me a terrorist because I look brown or whatever oh, wow! his, okay. his idea mm-hmm. yeah and some christian group stood for me okay. like in, in yeah like in that moment like they were they were hugging me and like oh dude don't worry about that he's just an ignorant he doesn't represent us mm-hmm. as a christians he mm-hmm. just say some hateful things, but we are Christians and we welcome you in America. And, and they became uh, my friends. Cool. And uh, uh, I got uh, joined with uh, an interfaith club in Arizona State University. And after that, uh, it got uh, kicked uh, uh, off and it changed my life forever. So I changed my major. Mm-hmm. And now in Saudi Arabia, I am the founder and current president of Saudis for Peace. It's an NGO. Okay. It's about bringing people from religions, different religions together and non-religions as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to share values, respect. So we're trying to build these bridges between religions and cultures and societies and people.
1: Awesome. That, that's great. So can you tell us a little bit more about your, your background? What, it was, what was it like growing up in Saudi and in Medina specifically? What was that like? I've never been to Medina myself, actually.
2: Yeah, man. It's, uh, uh, it's Medina is a very close society, so you will meet 100% Muslims. Okay. So it's not like Aramco or mm-hmm. a Riyadh or Jeddah. Medina is very close, so I never met any non-Muslims in my life okay. until I went to the States.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh,
2: yeah. My family, my family is from uh, uh, a lower or middle class family. Uh, I was the first son and uh, my dad you know like you know first son and my dad trying to find his way in his life and trying to you know buy land buy house and whatever mm-hmm. so i i i lived that struggle with my dad in the beginning of his life uh so i got a, a in saudi arabia thankfully uh, uh, all schools are free all universities are free yeah and uh, i got a very good education um healthcare as well in saudi arabia was not a, it's a free in saudi arabia so my dad did not get a lot of loans or he's not in debt at all so mm-hmm. he like it was easy for him to build himself up sure uh so yeah so yeah the time Sorry, to, to, to jump in there
1: to jump in there um yeah. can you explain to people how saudi arabia is able to offer those services for free because a lot of people yeah, so, who I've spoken to have been very surprised by the fact that there's free public health care and free education and things like that. So can you explain how that actually works?
2: Uh, so in Saudi Arabia, actually, what's in the land is for the people. So the mm. government sell all this oil or do a lot of uh, like uh, surfaces like tourism. People come visit Mecca and Medina. Uh, 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 people uh, like, you know, like... Uh, uh, public investments that the government do there. We have, a, we have, uh, I'm not an expert on this, but yeah, sure. I will try my best. It's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, or what I know. So the government invests in a lot of places around the world as in Saudi Arabia, and they make a, a, like a lot of money and mm-hmm. they give uh, that money to the people through education and healthcare and other services for free. And that actually big part of this is oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an oil play and all this oil change everything in this. But uh, uh, Vision twenty thirty, and I, I think a lot of people talked about it in the in the in, in your comment last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, vision twenty thirty trying to take Saudi Arabia away from oil. So we were waiting for that moment. Oil will be gone and yeah. no healthcare, no education. But um, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, one like, I love this guy so much and mm-hmm. I don't know why people hate when they say that, like people <laughs> in the West. I don't know why they, they hate it. Like, we love this guy a lot yeah. and he want to diverse our economy. Mm-hmm. He want to bring our economy to uh, better uh, stability and uh, better status. So right now, the Saudi Arabia is trying to invest in different spots in the world and in Saudi Arabia. Uh, uh, to take us from oil so by this investment we will get better healthcare, better education in the coming years hopefully
1: gotcha okay so sorry I, i know i jumped i jumped in there sort of halfway through so you were telling me a little bit more about the society and culture of medina
2: yes so uh Uh, My my culture, I lived in my tribe. So all my weddings was around the tribe, uh, Mm -hmm. like the weddings, the the events, whatever. I hang out with my tribes. I hang out with my cousins 24 hours. So it was a very close society. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not have uh, people from different religions, different languages, or different anything. Uh, Probably some people from like uh, Southeast Asia or Egypt, for example, or Lebanon will be mm-hmm. working in Medina and they meet these people, but they are Muslims. And uh, I, I, my, me, myself, I did not hang out with them much. Sure. So I did not really know a lot about them too. Um, so that's, that's how it used to be. Uh, it, it, Saudi Arabia is not a closed country, but people could pick to be closed on themselves. Yes. Okay. So, like, if you, I like me after I came back from the West to Saudi Arabia. Now, I have friends from every single nationality and every single religion in Saudi Arabia.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, and are you? Yeah. Do you, are you still based in Medina now, or are you now in Riyadh? Uh,
2: no, I I moved to I moved to Riyadh.
1: Okay, cool. And and what's Riyadh like compared to uh, compared to oh, Medina?
2: It's it's the capital. People come there from all around the world to work to visit. Uh. uh Tourism in Saudi Arabia just opened, like, uh, I think, eight months ago, Mm -hmm. and you actually can get your visa uh, in five minutes from online and just come to visit Saudi Arabia.
1: See, this this is a big change because I left Saudi in 2008, so I haven't been back to Saudi in 12 years. So I lived there from, I think, about 1988 till 2008, so about 20 years, um, to give a little background. You know, my my dad's a medical doctor, and so he used to work for Aramco. I grew up in two of the different Aramco camps. I went to school there until I was in fifth grade, and then I went to boarding school in the UK, university in the UK. But during my whole time at boarding school and university, I was back and forth between the two countries. So from kindergarten or from preschool up until fifth grade, I was almost permanently in Saudi, with the exception of occasional holidays outside. And then um, after fifth grade, when I was like 11 years old, um, up until the age of 20, I was back and forth between the UK and Saudi Arabia. So, you know, one reason, like I said, one reason I really wanted to speak to you and I thought this would be interesting is because, of course, me growing up there as a British national expat and living in the bubble, which is Aramco, you know, I would go outside and, you know, visit different cities like uh, Hofuf or, uh, al Kobar, uh, Dahran, like lots of different places. But um, I'm totally aware that my own experience will be different to that of uh, Saudi national. And as you know, sometimes, as you alluded to yourself, um, you know I, did know, I did know Saudis when I was there, but the expat community and the Saudi community, I don't know if it's still like this now, but at the it's, time it, it was, yeah, it was, it was quite separated. So it's sort of two different worlds, which have some overlap but they kind of do their own things.
2: I think, I think my biggest projects, Zubi, right now, what I'm doing in my life is trying to build these bridges between expats and Saudi nationals inside Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, it's still segregated. And let me tell you this. Sometimes it's actually weird because these expats come and work in Saudi Arabia and they have misconceptions about Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they live in it. Yes, and they always scared. They pick these compounds, and it looks like oh, they scared from the the people they they scared from Saudi citizens. But they, if when they take five three years probably, mm-hmm. they start to make friends outside that compound, right? Yeah, and they start to explore Saudi Arabia and go to different cities, and they 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 don't miss the chance of knowing the Saudi people and the Saudi. Uh, heritage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the, my biggest projects right now to just destroy that segregation between expats and uh, Saudi citizens. I think sure. Saudi citizens are very open mm-hmm. and they really want to know people and they welcome people. They're very generous. Uh, but the misconceptions some expats have about the community and these misconceptions, they bring it from the West, from the yes. media, from sure. the internet to Saudi Arabia it's it's kind of this I I think it's the same thing what happened to me in the states Mm -hmm. but me in the states uh, uh, that mindset got destroyed with two months
1: yes okay so let's talk about let's talk about misconceptions let's talk about facts let's talk about non-facts because like I said at the beginning I mean people have the amount of different things I've heard about Saudi Arabia from people who have never been there, despite the fact that I live there is, is unbelievable. I mean, uh, even yesterday I posted up on Twitter, asking people for some of their questions and, you know, you've got people making very grand assertions and statements, some of which are, you know, some of which are, are correct and rooted in some fact, some of which are not. And it's weird because people feel they have this, uh, Sort of ability to make these statements about a country that they've never been to, which I, I just find strange because I'd find it weird if someone was doing it about the UK or America or <laughs> Nigeria or anywhere else, right? If someone's never been to Nigeria and they're there sort of trying to lecture me about exactly what Nigeria is like, I'd be, you know, a little bit confused in that regard. So let's talk about some of those misconceptions because I'm sure you've probably dealt with this even more than I have. So, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you've experienced about? Saudi Arabia, whether that is stuff to do with the culture or the, the religion or the people, or perhaps even the government, what are your, what are the mi- misconceptions that you experience most and how do you counteract those? Uh,
2: I think, uh, I cannot even count how many misconceptions I have heard in my life, okay. but, uh, uh, people sometimes, yeah, they, they have, they have, okay. It was, it was, uh, was something in the past and it's yes. not it's something that happened. Like, for example, women are driving. Like, we had mm-hmm. this question yesterday yes. uh, women not able to drive. Uh, this is actually from two years ago, right now. It's not. Yeah. It's, an old, it's old news. And uh, yeah, this, we this should is, move on.
1: Yeah, this, this is interesting because when I, when I lived in Saudi Arabia, women were not able to drive. Like I said, I left in 2008. So, I think in that 12 years, actually, from what I understand, even you were talking about the tourist visas. Women being able to drive, I saw that in uh, some of the restaurants in the cities and stuff. Like when I lived there, it was you know the men's only section and then the family section for women and children. I saw that some of that is starting to uh, to come apart and to change. So, I'm my my view on Saudi, based on the snapshot of my own life, is actually going to now be different from what it currently is now. So, in terms of something, so- for example, like like women driving, how has that? what what's that like sort of in the real world now how has that how has that shift happened and what have been
2: man man, let me tell you i am i'm saudi when i left saudi arabia in 2012 Mm -hmm. and i came back to saudi arabia 2019 last year uh, it's a different country interesting (laughs) i don't know this country anymore. like look right now you can go to any coffee shop and sit with a group of women and a group of guys together and talk this is used to be not a thing 2012. Oh, no, this the is, Matawa you would be not do that. No. Yep, absolutely. Okay, can you tell about people about the, Matawa? Matawa, uh, they don't exist anymore.
1: Wow, okay. At That's all. a big difference. This is a big difference.
2: Yes. So uh, religious police and people tell you what's good and what's not uh, uh, based on religious uh, views. Yes. They don't exist anymore. In, <laughs> any, in any city? In any city.
1: Wow, okay. That is a big change.
2: Yeah, in any city. They have offices, but, like, they stay in the offices and do, like, uh, uh, internet to blogs about, like, uh, you should clean your, like, you should clean the, the city. You should, it's a different, even, approach. Okay. Back in the days before Muhammad Ibn Salman, they took my phone, was a Nokia phone, mm-hmm. and they looked everything in my studio, if I have porn or not oh wow
1: <laughs> yeah that sounds more like the Saudi that, that i know
2: yeah so that was like old news man they took okay. like the phone and they looked one time they cut my hair it was long and they were telling me like you're trying to uh, to do a, a david Beckham america <laughs> <laughs> This just doesn't exist anymore, and right now it makes me laugh when I when when I think about it. Like, Mm. what the hell is going on, man? And uh, like, you know, like this is a change. I'm happy. I'm happy for this is change. I love it because we actually becoming um, more open to others, and Mm -hmm. we actually uh, more diverse today. Uh, When you come to society society today, there is a big spectrum of ideas and knowledge and opinions. Let me tell you one cool thing about Saudi Arabia, and I think myself, this is what changed my life, and I think this is what changed Saudi Arabia. Uh, In 2005, like this is early, before (laughs) Mohammed bin Salman, in 2005, uh, King Abdullah, the former king of Saudi Arabia, started a scholarship program. The scholarship program is to send Saudi kids to universities in the UK, United States, and China, you know how many people graduated from this scholarship? I don't One know. million people. Wow. Okay. One million. Mm. Uh, you know this program is free tuition, free healthcare, and they give you two thousand dollars salary every month.
1: Wow. Okay. Everywhere <laughs> in the world. Okay.
2: And like this government any, any, doing any? Ev- any
1: Western progressives listening to this right now are going to be like, oh "Wait, hang on, I need to reconsider." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, like you, you, and you know, you know how many, uh, how many paperwork I signed or a contract I signed before I left Saudi Arabia mm. to pay that money back. One, zero, zero, zero. zero. Okay. I did not sign anything to say to Saudi Arabia, I'm going to pay you back. Mm. And I just left and I got uh, my degree from Arizona state and I got another degree, a master degree in the same program from UCL university college, London. And I had 100% opportunity to stay in the U.S. or stay in the U.K. Mm. Why I picked to come back to Saudi. Why? Because I want to build my country. Gotcha. I want to help my people. Mm. I want to make the change here. If you don't change home, you're not going to change anything.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: So this is how I look to it
1: yeah no that, that's really interesting. I mean one big question I do have this is like an overarching question with all this and I'm sure you know of course you're one individual I'm one individual. It's not like any one person can represent an entire country or community Absolutely. or anything like that, right These are just our individual opinions. but um given the stuff that um, MBS is doing and the changes that have happened even since I left Saudi in 2008, how much how strong is that? appetite for reform and change and progression amongst the Saudi citizenry, right? Because I assume, I think it's fair to assume that Saudi doesn't want to become totally like the UK or like Sweden or like USA or whatever, right? Saudi wants to still stay Saudi. But how can, how do, how would I put this? How how will they balance that progression with maintaining some of their own traditions and beliefs and things like that, because fundamentally the way a country like Saudi sort of works and the values and the culture and elements of the religion and things like that are very different in many ways to the way that Western countries are. It's a, it's a somewhat different model. It sounds like it's starting to move in that direction, but how far, how far do you want it to move in that direction? How far do the general public want it to how far do the government do, et cetera? I don't, I don't know if that's a, a good question.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very good question because mm. uh, I see young people, uh, 70% of Saudi Arabia are young under okay. the age of 30.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. 70%
2: okay. and all the, like a lot of them been traveling all around the world. I'm telling you the program uh, in 2000, like it started 2005 until today's now King Salman program for scholarship. Mm. Uh, it's it's uh, 1 million people came back from this like I think 0.001 stayed in the states. Wow okay. Or in the UK. Okay. Most of the people are like me they came mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. Uh and they, they there's people graduated from Harvard, from Yale, from Oxford, UCL, big schools mm-hmm. uh, and they come here they absolutely you know, have mix of the kind of the values. I think I have that in my heart today. Uh, I kind of have different values than the one who stated in the Saudi Arabia, like in Saudi Arabia university. Right. But I think we moving to, to the direction to be normal. And to be normal is to have movie theaters, to have art around the city, Mm -hmm. to enjoy music and in the same time, to be normal is to pray to God as a Muslim, yes. is to fast, is to keep your uh, family relations maintained. Actually, family is one of the biggest things in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Uh, Vision, Vision 2030 focused on all these things. Vision 2030 say diverse the economy, uh, open it for tourism, let people to come to us and see us and mm-hmm. uh, know us, and we know them as well. Yeah. So uh, there will be different religions coming, different nationalities, different everything, different opinions. So we're going to meet these people around. Uh, at the same time, we're going to uh, Vision 2030 focus about the Saudi identity, how we keep us our strong identity and be proud about it. Because yes. something I, I really did not like about the West when, when I was there, the West always looked to their model as the best model ever. Mm -hmm. and they always be like oh you don't have this we have this you don't have that it's a different culture it's a different society it's a different everything yes Uh, a a tribal like we have we have tribes here and let me tell you the al Saud family connection to the tribes of saudi arabia is over 300 years Mm -hmm. we love this family we appreciate this family before 300 years or until recently until like before king abdulaziz my tribe, like my tribe, used to fight other tribes here. Mm. These people who made the country secure, and they're actually doing great with the healthcare, with the education system, and they're doing good to the citizens. And we appreciate them, and we love them, and we are connected to them. Uh, but in the Western media, they don't like to hear this message. Yeah. They always pick a Saudi who talk negative about uh, the the Assad family or mm-hmm. the kingdom or the government. So they mm-hmm. put them in, in different media platforms. But my message, I never heard anyone saying that. Uh, and this is the majority of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And yesterday, uh, I shared that in my Twitter and they say, tell me what I'm telling Chizubi and, uh, <laughs> and his boss guy. And he, everyone was telling me, dude, just tell him this. We are actually normal and we have a, a good mod. Like we have we have a good life here, and we are open, and we love everyone. yeah and I was like, this is a very simple message, because going to your uh, to your uh to your comments was was <laughs> scary a little bit. yeah, yeah sure, like sure. oh my sure. God,
1: yeah people, like, people like, have a-
2: like with all due respect, yesterday, like people like this one of the questions, and you saw that as well, like yes me Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when she said to you, this, Oh, you gonna take this blood money or whatever money? Yeah, she did not even hear me talk. Mm. She did not respect my opinion. She said, I have a propaganda and I have zero propaganda. I'm just telling them I love my country. This yeah. is not a propaganda. Yeah. I'm not telling you, Zubi, love my country. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling anyone, love Saudi Arabia. But I'm telling you, I. I am the citizen of this country and I love it so much and I love MBS so much. Mm -hmm. So respect my choice of that. And that's it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I do think that people in the West can be extremely arrogant about it in that regard because look, I can understand people thinking that their way of doing things and their lifestyle and their beliefs and everything is, is the best right. Or that everyone else around the world should adopt those same beliefs and values and culture and everything like that. And, you know, it's, I think some people call me like a cultural relativist or something like this, but as someone who's grown up with lots of exposure to different cultures, you have to understand that, look, every country has its own, its own history. It has like a long background and a way that it's become the way that it is. And not all people, not all groups around the world have the exact same values and perspectives and views and everything. So trying to sort of just take the end stage model of one country and slap it on top of one that's got a very different kind of people in there with different beliefs and you know different kinds of people and everything like that. And it's just like, that's not a, that's not a realistic view. And, and things happen, things do change. Things change over time. As you're talking about in the past decade, it sounds like Saudi has actually made quite a lot of changes in some of the things that people previously were very, very heavily critical of. Are there still things that people are very, very heavily critical of and which you may think are not right or which I may think are not right? Yes. But even in terms of using the word right, that has some level of subjectivity, just like everything. I mean, you look at, you look at politics, you look at religion, you look at people's just individual belief systems and ideologies, like what is, what is right? You know, I know, I know what I think is right, but- Then there's someone else who thinks that, no, Zuby's totally wrong on all this, what I think is right. And then someone else thinks this and someone else thinks that. And look, the reality is that life is complicated. Human beings are very, very complicated, both individually, let alone collectively. So I do think that it's important to at least be be open-minded and be willing to listen to these different perspectives and learn whether you agree, whether you disagree. That's the whole point of having a, a conversation. Um, Now that we're going in that direction, I thought it would be interesting to go through some of the things that I just want to add something. Yeah, go ahead. please. I just
2: want to add. Yeah, like we we as Saudi citizens, we are not angels. Yeah, we don't. Everything is not perfect with us or a government or a country. And we are not devils. We're just a human. Yeah. uh, As the rest of the world. So I'm not trying to trying to make my picture as an angel uh, or I'm not trying to agree with the picture that I am a devil. I'm yes. just a normal person. I'm yeah, just that, a human. That's, that's
1: totally fair. And look, every country is like that. If you want to focus on the negatives of British society, or you want to focus on the negatives of um, American society, or you want to focus on the negatives of French society, what, whatever it is, it's like you can do that. Like If I wanted to put a certain hat on and be deeply, deeply critical of British society or Americans, I I could do that, right? It's not hard to point out. It's not difficult to take (laughs) the negative. It's super easy. Yeah, it's super easy to take the negative things and sort of blow those ones up. But you can also look at the things that are positive and, you know, focus on those ones. And I just think it's disingenuous when people choose to focus on all the positives in one society and then focus and then compare all the positives of this one society to all the negatives of this other one. It's just like, that's not, it's, it's just disingenuous. It's not, it's not fair. It is. And also what people do is they conflate government with people. Okay. So someone can be, you could be, for example, someone could be very critical of the American government, but that doesn't mean that you hate the American people or that you're conflating the, some of the government's actions with the actions of 330 million people. And again, I think when it comes to Saudi, you have a lot of people, you know, some rightly so, who, who are deeply critical of some aspects of the government and some of the actions that it's taken, both um, within the country and around the world. And then they assume that everybody they, they sort of use that picture, they use that governmental framing to paint the entire society, which again, I, I just don't think is is fair. If the British government goes and you know commits some atrocity across the world or something or like bomb some people or something, right? Like that's not, that's not mean. That's we, not we saw, in general, you know?
2: We saw that, we, and we saw that, we, we saw that with, with all, all through history, yes. uh, the US government, the UK yes. government, other governments have done a lot of things. Oh yes, uh, but But we don't blame like the, the, the whole country or they don't blame the whole history of the government. If some people made some mistakes, it doesn't mean uh, all Saudis are back. Mm. Uh, 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 like for example like Abu Ghraib. you remember Abu Ghraib yes. in, in Iraq? yes. I do. Yeah. yeah I cannot blame all Americans for that. no. Uh, I, I blame these soldiers who were crazy and torturing everyone. they were psychos about it mm-hmm. and it was weird. it was not good to see but in the end of the day not all Americans are like this. no no. And I can't I I, most of them wouldn't like, approve uh,
1: of it either that's the thing.
2: Yeah, I cannot take like a serial killer in the states and say this is all America you know <laughs> no. like no no it's, no
1: it's not fair no it's easy to focus on the negatives right someone could just be like yeah America yeah they just like shoot each you know even in the UK some people have this view of America everyone just runs around oh, with yeah. guns and they you know go to schools and they shoot each other and you know they're ignorant yeah. and they don't travel and you know they have this you
2: know- someone right. someone actually asked me in the like an English girl asked me in the in the UK did you get shot in the states? Oh
1: wow, yeah, it's, it's weird. People so it's focus like, on the negatives when it comes to outside cultures. It's very Like
2: right. I went to get a pizza, and someone <laughs> shot me, and they just took my pizza. And I went home. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's normal in the states.
1: I wanted to go through a few of the questions that people have that people have brought up here. Um, some of the ones that I think are you know are a lot more fair and reasonable, in which people do want to hear legitimate answers on and to understand what the real life situation is. So one of the big ones that has come up a lot is issues around women's rights, okay? A lot of people have questions on there. It's, easy, it's not easy for me as I'm doing this to sort of read them all, but what is the situation? I guess maybe, maybe this can be answered in two parts. So what, what is the situation there currently in terms of gender equality and women's rights versus how it maybe was, say, 15 years ago when even I was living there? What what are the what are some of the changes that are happening there, and what is the current position?
2: Let me tell you a lot what happened, uh, like what used to be before I left Saudi and okay. after I came back. So okay. uh, I, I left Saudi two thousand twelve. Women were not allowed to drive, were not allowed to travel, mm-hmm. were not allowed to open a bank account. Uh, where. where uh, without absolutely like her, whatever, husband, father, signed some paperwork to tell her, oh, she's fine to do that. Mm. Uh, I'm telling about the a bank account I'm, or driving, not at all. Yeah. Uh, traveling, yes, she needs she need that signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Yes, and women were not like employment of women. Employment of women was very, uh, the rate was not that good. Okay. Uh, 2019, everything <laughs> changed then. Mm-hmm. Women are allowed to travel uh, open bank account, do everything. We start to see them in big positions in the government mm-hmm. uh, We start to see them like minister like some ministers, but they are like uh, they are in the big positions around the government around the whole government. You see women everywhere uh, uh, women driving mm-hmm. uh, uh, women uh, are allowed to to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we start to see uh, uh, this is something I don't like today.
1: Okay. Uh,
2: maybe uh, maybe it's fair, maybe it's not, but it's my opinion.
1: Okay, go ahead.
2: Today, if a company uh, give a job to a woman, it's equal, like they will give the company points, right? It equal like the company give two Saudi men a job. Oh. So one woman. Okay. okay. So the, the company get more benefits by hiring oh. a woman. Than oh, a man. interesting.
1: Okay, interesting. So it's some form, not, not even affirmative action, but like uh, almost like a little bit of don't an, don't a correction, know. like an incentive. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. And that's from the, that's from the Saudi government? Yeah,
2: so like, the, yes. Okay. Interesting. So there is like pi- points and uh, points and whatever, I don't know what's, uh, I, I'm zero with economy, but yeah. like there is points okay. and they, the, the company get more benefits by hiring a woman than a man today. That's interesting. Uh, I, think, I think this is because employment rate of women is higher than men mm-hmm. and uh, 60% of university graduates in, this, in Saudi Arabia are women.
1: Oh, wow, that's interesting. So, th- so that imbalance that is- does exist in the West is also in Saudi now. So in Saudi, there are more women getting degrees now than men are.
2: Yes. Wow. And uh, let me tell you something. Uh, maybe uh, Professor Jordan Peterson talk about this a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, women in Saudi Arabia who, has, who graduated from STEAM, like uh, science, technology, uh, yeah, they are mm-hmm. way more higher than the West. Eighty percent of uh, STEAM graduates in Saudi Arabia are women, not men.
1: Wow! Really? Really? Yes. Since,
2: since yes. That, that sounds that
1: sounds like crazy. This sounds like a different country from the one that I left in two thousand and eight. So how, how yes. has that so, shifted just very quickly?
2: Uh, I don't know, but I think it's over time. I think. Uh, I don't know what happened, but women start to go to science, like biology, chemistry Mm. and math, way more math.
1: Okay. That's
2: interesting. And like, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to me as well because, uh, if you went to university in the UK or the States and you go to the engineering schools, it's just geeks. There is no <laughs> women. There is no judge. nobody. Not really. Nobody will try to find uh, a girlfriend in an engineering <laughs> school. You will go to a nursing school.
1: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But in Saudi Arabia, women are actually graduated from engineering more than men. Mm, that's
1: that's very interesting. That that does surprise me. Uh, that actually kind of shocks me because I don't think. When I was there, I don't think that was the case. I have no idea what the numbers were. I have no statistics. but
2: um, I'm, Yeah, I'm, I, I think they have today more, more. I think they don't have them in the past, but today we have more statistics. Like we have um, a commission in Saudi Arabia do all the statistics uh, yearly. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they, they give these numbers out. And uh, you can see them. Like all my friends, Saudi girlfriends, around to me they actually have science or engineering or math degrees while the guys have like whatever like mm-hmm. human resources or whatever that's something really interesting no.
1: and what yeah. are the what are the interactions and relationships between men and women i guess especially young men and women like in saudi arabia now I, again i think both now and prior to some of these reforms because when i lived there um, I mean if I went out to uh Dahran or Qobar or you know like part of real saudi it, again it was it was very um it was very segregated i don 't think a man could be with a woman unless it 's his um in public unless it 's his his sister his wife maybe um a close cousin or his mother like it, some something like that um, so you didn't see, like I said, in restaurants, even fast food restaurants and things like that, even KFC and McDonald's, it was segregated, men's only, um, and then family sections. So what are those relationships like now? How much of that has still been maintained and how much of that is changing?
2: Before I left Saudi Arabia 2012 again, S- sitting with a woman or a bunch of women in the same table in a mm. coffee shop or a restaurant as a, a man, not relatives to them, was forbidden. Okay. Today, I sit every day with a woman, uh, uh, girls, and we work on projects and we work on a lot of things together in a coffee shop. Nobody's business. Nobody will ask you. Nobody would do anything to you. Mm. Uh, women and men start to work in everywhere you see uh in in the country uh i I think myself my opinion it's segregation sometimes it's not bad because i am from this culture and i understand a lot of women having a veil and they don't want anybody to bother them or be around them from guys yes but the, this, the single section, if you remember the single section, now mm-hmm. is actually uh, women and man together. But the okay. family section is actually women who still, so, you know, who, they're who religious. Who, want, who ex- want to be? Who want to be? Who want to be. So okay. now it's up to the women okay. and up to the men. Okay. To sit together or not to sit together. Okay. But back in 2012 was kind of, Forced mm, mm. by society or by laws to be segregated. Today, okay. this is doesn't exist, uh, thanks to Muhammad bin Salman. I'm telling yeah. you, this guy changed a lot. <laughs> right.
1: Okay. And here, here's so, a question: with with all these changes, especially given the speed of how they're happening. I mean, between 2012 and 2020, this is, uh, or even 2019. These these are very fast changes. I mean, how have how have the people Responded to it? Has there been some, you know, I assume that, I mean, of course, in any society, you're going to have more liberal leaning people and you're going to have more, you know, conservative people. And I think, you know, even in a country like Saudi Arabia, people who are more <coughs> liberal leaning may still be consider- considered conservative by Western standards. Yes. What's been the sort of response to that? Because as we know, in any society, you can't just sort of change a law or change something very fundamental without having some resistance or people who don't want certain things to change so how how was that sort of done what was the process there
2: uh actually it's so funny i want to point that out actually i say uh, in, in america i say to my friends i'm conservative in america but i'm a liberal in saudi arabia i say the same so thing i say the same is, thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh yes i i think i think Majority of people, I'm telling you, seventy percent are younger than thirty, and they want these changes so bad. Okay. They see all these music festivals and countries around us. They see movie theaters. They have, they love to make movies. They want to, you know, they want to have movie theaters and they want to have uh, festivals like movie festivals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their right. They want it so bad, and actually, MBS. When he comes to uh, to, uh, uh, to his vision, he made that, uh, act, you know, like for every young person. So when we saw this guy and we said, dude, I couldn't believe this. Like, I'm telling you, Zuby, I want to say something. Me, myself, in 2015, I was working on my laptop in America, uh, making a project for interfaith to bring people from different religions together, right? Mm-hmm. I closed my laptop and I was about to cry saying, Oh, I love this so much, but when I go back to my country, I won't be allowed to do this.
1: Mm, okay.
2: And I remember I opened my laptop again. I said to myself, You know what? Maybe when I am 40, 50 years old, things will change mm-hmm. and I will be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But I did it after four years of that thought.
1: That's interesting.
2: This is how I thought myself, I don't believe the change. And I I was hungry for it and wanted so much. Okay. Uh, The majority of people are with these changes. Absolutely. There is people who's conservatives, but the government right now did not force them Mm. to... If you want to be conservative, be... Like we have a music festival. This week, like... I went to a couple of music festivals, Lil Wayne came, uh, different, uh, different artists came and I went to all of them. I saw young Saudi dancing. My family, they don't like music festivals. They stayed home. Yes. That's yes. it. We, don't, we are not forcing anyone to do anything pretty much at the end of the day.
1: So the, the next question that actually leads quite well into one of my next questions, because a lot of people um, on Twitter, especially when I was fielding questions, a lot of people were asking about religious freedoms, right? That's a, that's a big question people have when it comes to Saudi Arabia. So myself, like I said, I lived there for 20 years. Um, I'm a Christian. My family is Christian. We grew up you know, prim- primarily in, in the compound. So where I, where I grew up, it was essentially like people could sort of practice whatever they wanted privately and you there there were no sort of church buildings but you can you can practice and you can do your services and you know whether it's in theaters or school halls or whatever it is but my understanding always was that outside of that community outside of the compound then you know the country was certainly a lot more strict on not allowing any faith any religion other than islam to Really, you know, allowing people to sort of practice in in public, or you you couldn't, for example, bring a if you brought a Bible in through the airport, for example, they, they'd confiscate it at the airport, um, and and things like that. So, again, what's that like now, and you know, maybe compared to 2012.
2: Well, uh, uh, I don't. I'm not a Christian in yeah, 2012, sure, sure. of course. Of course. <laughs> so I, I did not experience that. Much, yeah. but let me tell you, uh, me when I went to the states, when I got into interfaith, I start to read the Holy Bible, start to re- read uh, the Old Testament, and they start to read Bhagavad Gita and different like religious books, and I got all these books in one box, <laughs> and I came to the airport, and okay. I was like, which, which airport was this? Uh, uh, Riyadh.
1: Riyadh airport, and okay. I
2: was like, yeah, and I was like, are they gonna take it? Mm. And it was very clear; I did not hide it. And they just looked at it like, oh, like, oh, Holy Bible. Oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm just reading them like to learn. Mm. And they're just like, okay, just go ahead.
0: Interesting. <laughs> okay. I
2: t- yeah, I took my box. And I think it would be ridiculous if they took them because they can't find them online, PDF mm. or That's
1: anyway. true. That's true.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's a very, it's a ridiculous move mm. to do. But uh, in in terms of, of churches absolutely there is no churches built in Saudi Arabia around Saudi Arabia uh we don't know about the future I'm telling Mm -hmm. you it's it's moving fast and we don't know what will happen but I, I think what what for example Yasmin yesterday made it sound very scary they go to villas they change their location and whatever And there are not a lot, but it's not like this. I think Mm in the compounds, they go to the theater hall or they go to different villas and they know it's it's Sunday here and we're gonna pray here. And there is not that bothering people trying to make in 2012. What about today where Saudi's more progress, open about different religions there was an evangelical christians group came to the king three months ago or two months ago
1: oh interesting and they
2: visited saudi and there was a catholic group came to uh, to saudi a couple of times like saudi arabia are uh, uh, saudi arabia has the center of king abdullah bin abdulaziz intercultural and interreligious dialogue in vienna mm. whereas. Uh, the board members is created of eight religions and they all come to Saudi Arabia all the time. I think we moving in this forward and uh, if we have an issue or if we have uh, a problem, probably some or I don't know what's the percentage, but some people are very closed mind towards non Muslims. Yes. And, and this is what uh, Saudis for peace here to do is actually Mm. clearing that vision. There is a bad Muslims and a good Muslims, and there is uh, a good non-Muslims and a bad non-Muslims, and you of cannot course. generalize everyone. Uh, but I think people here are like, let me tell you, when I started Saudis for Peace, uh, it's very well attended uh, events. So we okay. do one event every month, and around one hundred to one hundred fifty people attend every month. Okay, and that's very yeah, that's a very big number, and people are very. Thirsty to know a lot about this, about other religions, about how to connect with others, how to speak respectfully mm-hmm. to a person mm-hmm. from a different faith. So, we're taking ba- not baby steps anymore. We're actually taking good steps and we are on the way to make a change. And hopefully,
1: mm-hmm. I am
2: part of this change in Saudi Arabia about looking to other people. Uh, with respect Dif- different yeah. religions different uh, opinions different anything just respect them in the end of the day and we're trying to get that done
1: awesome man um a big question that a lot of people did have this one is uh you know i guess it's uh, might be considered a little bit uh you know controversial or morbid but a lot of people did have questions about some of the punishments in saudi arabia right it's it's okay it's one i'm sure you get asked about it you know do they really chop people's heads off do they you know cut off the hands of people who steal or execute drug dealers and things like that i know when i lived there the answer was the answer was yes it's not something that um i think a lot of people have the idea that you know you turn on tv and there's like executions going on on tv and you you know everyone's like cheer it's like i I, mean i never i Okay. Yeah. Like I, I never, I never saw, I never saw I personally witnessed any of this stuff. Maybe I was like protected from it, but you know, I know the laws of the country. I know, you know, the, the realities of it. So that's not, I'm not in the business of ever trying to deny facts and I don't want to ever deny facts. So I, my answer was always, yeah, like that stuff does happen, but it's not, um, I think some people may think that it's like a, like an everyday, occurrence it's
2: like an event yeah yeah like, <laughs>
1: like yeah you know like people go to football matches and you know and we're in Saudi. Yeah. let's go watch a, like some people get pre-game pre-game from yeah that exactly execution. and i'm like no it's, it's not like that it happens yes but it's not like that but of course as someone who grew up in medina um now lives in Riyadh, you'll have much more of a of a perspective on this than i do
2: I, I never saw it in my life, but yes, okay. it's there. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm telling you, they don't announce it. They don't tell people, oh, it's going to be an execution here. All of you come and see it.
1: Mm. Uh,
2: this is, doesn't happen. Uh, uh, the, the legal system is very complex because it's a different than any legal system in the world. Yes. Let me tell you, if you kill one person, murder, only murder, not mm. manslagers or homicide. Yeah. I'm talking about murder. So if you murder someone uh, after a process of about 15 years, sometimes up to 30 years, mm-hmm. they will, they will, the court will say, well, you will be executed. But if the family of the victim forgive you, then there is no execution. Okay. Interesting. Why this has happened, some people say, like I said it in the West, and some people say, oh, this will be corruption because they will sell that blood money and take money and forgive him and whatever. Um. Well, this, is, this has happened because it's a tribal. Yes. It's a tribal society. Mm. If this man killed this man tribe and he did not get punished, these two tribes will fight each other mm. and you will create a war. Okay, okay. So the legal system take the step to say, "Well, this equal this, but if they forgive you, it's done." The execution does not happen daily. Does that mm-hmm. happen every Friday? Does that happen sometimes? Not every month.
1: Yeah.
2: So it's very rare conditions, but they happen. Me yeah. myself, I never saw one in You've my never life. Seen it either. Okay. Yeah, and I think you're not allowed to film. You're not allowed to... Uh, and when you go there, it's not like you get in popcorn and you just see it. Yes. Most of the people uh, uh, gatherings in that uh, in that uh, they call it Chop Chop Square. That's the one in Rio, <laughs> right? D- square. Yeah, some people some people say Chop Chop in English, but yeah, I don't yeah. know what, what is that square. they make him fun or something. Yeah, it's a nickname. Yeah. But Most people attending that execution, asking the family of the victim to forgive the murders. They ask, they beg them. They say, please, just forgive him. Mm. Until that moment. So people are not going there and be like thirsty to see blood. They are not there to, yeah, they are not there to say, please kill him. No, they say, please forgive him. Just get him away. This process, even the king himself cannot get into it.
1: Okay, what's the, so what's the the reason for that? Because of the tribal dynamic.
2: It's a tribal dynamic, and uh, the victim uh, family are the only one have the ability to forgive. The king cannot forgive that guy. Mm, mm. So it's very it's very different than like when you hear it from the west, they make it sound I don't know disgusting. It's like dark ages in Europe, yeah. But it's not like that at all.
1: I understand. No, I understand.
2: There's a lot of reasons and opinions and a lot of things behind that. Uh, yeah. For the hands, uh, I think they stopped that long time ago. There is uh, no cutting hands at all. Uh, they, uh, I think it, it was uh, something Islamic before jail mm-hmm. for prisons. Mm-hmm. But now we have uh, prisons and jails and they, they, anybody steal or uh, corru- or make a fraud or make something bad, they stay in prison time. Yeah. Not, a, not a big so, so
1: it sounds like what's happening is there's becoming an increased division between the, the legal system and the religious system. So when I was growing up in Saudi Arabia, of course, as an expat, I was outside of this world. But my understanding always was there really wasn't like in the Western countries, you have separation of church and state. So religious laws you know, if you go down to the very roots, they certainly have some influence on the laws of the land, but they're not they're not one in the same. Whereas when I was living in Saudi Arabia, it was like, okay, if something is against Islam, if it's against the if it's against the Quran, then it's also against the law in the vast majority of cases. So it sounds like that is that is slowly starting to to change. Is that would that be a fair statement?
2: Yeah. Uh I think my opinion again kind of yes because uh because come on like life changed like islam is 1400 years ago they did Mm -hmm. not even have a traffic laws yes or tickets or passports or Mm -hmm. anything so these new laws are not from that but we, when we talk about murders or tribal laws or some like Islam has very big influence until today, mm-hmm. and uh, the government of Saudi Arabia say the Quran is the like the source of our law, like, we based on this, like in the West, they say. Uh, there is a, a separate between the religion and uh, the church and the state, mm-hmm. but in Saudi Arabia, the state say we are proud that we trying to create our laws out of our book. Yes, based okay. on. Gotcha.
1: Quite a lot of people have actually asked about um, race relations in Saudi. Um, a lot of people have asked if there's much, um, if there's much racism or. If there are those sort of divisions and any kind of animosity and things like that along any, I guess, tribal or ethnic or racial lines,
2: I th- I think it's more tribal in Saudi Arabia. Tribalism is an issue, uh, uh, but not anymore. Uh, I think in the recent years, this is very uh, you, you you see it very decreased. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think racism in Saudi Arabia was not an issue for long time. Like, yeah, I never, I
1: never never personally noticed anything or experienced anything, but that doesn't exist.
2: I had a couple of black friends from the UK in Saudi Arabia and they were really scared, freaking out before they visited. Okay. And like after one week, uh, I have a video of that. He said, as a black man I feel saved in Saudi Arabia more than London. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. So it, I, I, feel, I feel safer in Saudi than I, than I do in London and I, I'm not yeah, even exaggerating like it, it felt safer.
2: Yeah man, man, man let, me, like, let me tell you Saudi Arabia a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about it like uh, and I think it's not fair okay. to how, how great this government is treating the people mm-hmm. and how the how the, pe- how the people are very nice to each other and the the, the crimes rates are very low. Security are, is very high in Saudi yes, Arabia. Yes, definitely. Very, very high. You can walk anytime, uh, do whatever, any street. You can pick the worst street in Riyadh and go to it at 3 a.m. in the morning and nothing will happen to you. Yeah. I cannot do that in Oxford Street in London. No. A- and... Let me, let me tell you, like, uh, like with, with this issue, since we are right now in this pandemic, like the COVID, the virus, mm-hmm. uh, look how the Saudi Arabia uh, government treated the citizens. Let me tell you, uh, every Saudi student was uh, outside of, uh, of Saudi. Uh, when that virus started, Saudi Arabia st- sent private jets to get them.
1: <laughs> That's very sad. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's very sad. Yeah, man, like, yes, it's like, you know how, oh, let me tell you. Do you know what the UK government did to uh, to uh, British citizens in Kuwait?
1: I don't know. Oh, wait, did they, yeah,
2: to- I, wait, I think, wait, wait, wait.
1: I saw something about this. I think they told them to try to find help from charities or from yes. their friends, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah, go to your friends or go to charities.
1: Yeah, I saw that, I saw that.
2: And Saudi Arabia is sending private jets, man, to get everyone. And yeah. if they did not give you a private jet on time or there's issue happened, well, we will book you a five-star hotel so you don't stay with your roommates or, or with your home state. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's just amazing treatment, man. And, like, someone was writing this on Twitter that Saudi Arabia sold everything to buy the comfort of its citizens. And I'm telling you, this is the truth. Just right now, like in this in this problem, we saw the government doing every single thing for us. Yeah, like it's amazing how they started very early, mm-hmm. early than any country. Mm-hmm. We have uh, around uh, 500, uh, 500 people only got affected by the virus. Okay, uh, they've been segregated from the people. Uh, they got all the pe- the citizen all around the, the world. Saudi Arabia uh, they, they booked five stars hotel to the people and countries where people tell me about like how savage is my government
0: mm-hmm. and
2: how how bad is my government they don't see their government not treating their people right yeah yeah and I'm telling you like th- this one thing uh, someone actually pointed the story of Rahaf is this the
1: the rapper or, no, you know? Raf
2: No, the, the rapper. Uh, her problem. Just the Western media made made a big case. Yeah, of I, it, I haven't really followed. I haven't
1: really followed it, but I've seen a couple. Yeah,
2: they hits. say because she rapped. They she. not dude. Nick, Nicki Minaj was here in Saudi Arabia. What are you talking about? <laughs> like <laughs> that does so surprise like, me.
1: I don't think they'd have Nicki Minaj when I was living there. <laughs>
2: yeah, not at all. That uh, they have. I I wish they get J. Cole or they get uh, Drake soon, man. Mm, That'd be cool. cool. Or Kendrick Lamar. I'm looking for that. But the rapper, she she did not have a license when she filmed the video. That's only her issue. She did not serve jail time or anything. But uh, the Western media take a small story and make it very huge.
1: Of course. They do this Uh, with everything. They do it locally, too.
2: Yes. Yes. And Raf Al Gunoun. She's. She has a. She has a. Pro- she had a problem with her family. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, her family treated her bad. Uh, and she was an underage girl. She fled to Thailand, then fled to Canada, running okay. away from her family. Mm-hmm. Underage, seventeen years old. When she arrived to Canada, the foreign minister of Canada was in the airport waiting for her okay made a big huge news whatever and she started to say well i'm ex-muslim i'm an lgbtq so they like her more you know the lefty media this is just like a way to say it Mm -hmm. and she got there 17 years old girl it was a a family problem and they made it a government problem they picture saudi arabia as an evil country treating their citizen bad, women get a bad treatment from an underage girl running from her father, mm. which happened in the UK, which happened in the US, which happened everywhere. Yeah. Today, today, we're talking right now, 50 Canadian doctors are in China and China did not get, uh, Canada did not get them an airplane to come to China, uh, to Canada.
1: Back to Canada, yeah.
2: Yes, 50 people.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: they made that for a Saudi girl made the money they 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 give to the Saudi girl was from Canadian citizens tax Mm -hmm. from Canadian citizen work to just make a huge story against Saudi Arabia while their citizens suffering in a very huge problem in China and they did not get an airplane back to their home which is crazy yeah and and I really want people to look to their countries and their governments more than what they look to Saudi Arabia. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you look up for me. like, not, not, sorry, sorry. Not look up, look for me. Mm -hmm. You are not looking for me. Mm -hmm. I know what's good and what's bad. And I think my country treats me very good. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I see like, I am so glad that I am in Saudi Arabia while this virus going everywhere in the world yeah. and not in the United States or in the United Kingdom. Gotcha. I feel way more safe here. Mm. And people should, I mean, like they should uh, just hear me out. Like you know, I, I yeah. Just well, I think look, I, th-
1: I, th- I hope that the people listening to this, um, yeah, look, I think we we've, we've talked about a lot of different things here. And I think, you know, people are, like I said, people are interested in Saudi because a lot of people don't know, it's, it's not a country that's that easy to get, you know, I think things are opening more, but like I said, it hasn't been open to tourism for a long time. So you don't meet a lot of people who have been there or who are from there. And most people, 100% of their information is just coming from what they've heard or from the media. And as we know, look, some, some of that has, some of it is true. Some of it has kernels of truth. Some of it is untruth. This goes for any any story, really. Like any story in the media, you're always going to find some kind of spin, especially if there's a political element to it or you know, it's an international story or something like that. There's always an agenda. Depending on which newspaper even you read or which outlet you read, you're going to get a very different picture. So I think yep. conversations like this are valuable, not just for myself and for yourself, but for everybody listening. So before we, we, wrap, we wrap it up, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to do maybe, maybe like uh, three things on both sides. So what are the three main sort of problems or issues or inequalities or anything like that that still greatly exist in Saudi Arabia that you think need to be changed or should change? And what are the three sort of best things about Saudi Arabia, whether that's the people, the culture, what are the three things as a Saudi national that you're sort of most most proud of?
2: Uh, I think the, the three problems probably, uh, it's sometimes ignorance, and I think this is an issue all around the world. There is a lot of ignorance uh, against people who's different. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the second one would be uh, just some some people are very closed on on themselves, right? Mm-hmm. In Saudi Arabia, like they, they live in their tribe, in their city, and they, not, they are not trying to open themselves to others. I think Saudi citizens need, or uh, uh, some of the Saudi citizens today need to open up, to mm-hmm. learn more about others. Okay. Uh, third, I think, one of the biggest issues in Saudi Arabia today people spend too much on the internet and in the internet you know what's going on people mm-hmm. just say the worst things ever mm-hmm. and if you ignorance plus going on Twitter a lot you <laughs> would just generalize everything yeah you would sure. be like oh look like I talked to Saudis here and I'm telling you like oh like I love do the Jew and I love do the Christian and they were like nice people. And they are like, well, I look to the Twitter and they've been saying this about me. They're saying mm. uh, we hate Muslims. Muslims are terrorists. So I hate them too. And okay. I was like, dude, this is just one person. We don't know what he's doing there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think ignorance, bless internet is very bad. Gotcha. Three things about Saudi, man. Uh, I think we have more than Saudi a lot I think the relationship between the government and the the people are very unique Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the government do a lot of things for us and we appreciate that and we want to work hard for for the country and for the government if we can in any time we have this very strong relationship with them it's 300 years uh, relationship and I'm telling you I'm not rich, I'm not a prince I'm not anybody, <laughs> I'm a citizen lower lower class or middle class family, I live in the desert uh, all my life around my tribe and I'm telling you how much I love these people yeah. uh, second thing would be the family values of Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. families always first, mm-hmm. so like always your relationship with your family is very 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 strong you would see if anything happened to me i'm a grown man if 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 i got bankrupt in one day my dad will be there my brother will be there everyone will be there this is why there is zero homeless in saudi arabia Mm. there is no homeless at all you see Mm. homeless everywhere in the world but in saudi arabia there is no homeless a third i would say i think is saudi arabian heritage i think we have a very rich heritage Uh, I think people who lived in the desert all their life to make it to be rich today, they have some cool story to hear, you know, like they have some cool story to say to people and to people to hear about that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dude, I'm here, my air condition not working because the voice, but it's very hot. I don't know how they survived this to build this amazing city of Riyadh, amazing mm. city of Dammam, amazing city of Hafuf. Mm. And this is only 70 years old, man. It's not even that old. Yeah, yeah. So they made it. They made it from long time. I, I, I think my grandfather went, said it to me once. He said, because people were generous, we made it to this day. Because gotcha. when I am hungry, when I'm broke, my neighbor used mm. to feed me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when he's broke I feed him and this is how they made it and I think this is a cool story cool heritage and I think people messing out not hearing from that and then I want to say something actually Uh, if you don't know a lot about Saudi I know we're doing as Saudi citizens we're doing a poor job to tell you who we are and our relation with the government, and a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and maybe the, the, the platform or media doesn't put a lot of Saudi who talk positively about Saudi Arabia on the, on the media. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, five minutes, get your visa, come to Saudi Arabia, and look, find any Saudi on Twitter and tell him, I'm coming, <laughs> and I think he will host you, he yeah. will give you a tour, he will feed you, he will do everything. And you wouldn't, you you would have the biggest, like the best, and biggest trip in your life. Yeah, people, like, are, very,
1: people are very people are very hospitable. I can vouch for that. I always I always talk about people's hospitality and just welcoming nature in Saudi. That's very very real.
2: Uh, it's 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 crazy how how we are very generous. Like one time, like a, a Ruiz and Joshua fight was in mm. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was there hosting a couple of friends uh, from the UK and the States. And one of them commented about the weather and say, oh, it's raining. Uh, inside me, you know what what like what I was thinking?
1: You were probably grateful that it was raining. I don't know.
2: No, 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 no. Okay. It's not. <laughs> I, 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 was saying, I was saying to myself, I wish I had control over the weather. So I make my friends have a good time. Oh, okay. In my city. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: S- so uh, that thought is very crazy because I mm. would never think about this. But I, I was
1: just I'm just stumbled. surprised it was raining. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they were surprised it was raining. It was in the yeah. middle of the winter. It rains a lot. Okay. Very Uh, man, this is uh, this is what I'm. Like uh, I, when I, when I said to them, I, when I, when I looked to it, to my heart, I was like telling myself, whoa, this is probably from my roots because I'm not that generous to mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Knife. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, bro. It's been a really good talking to you. And I hope that people who are listening to this, I hope that they've gained something, gained something valuable and gained some insight and a better perspective. So thank you very much for doing thank- this
2: thanks a lot my man and uh keep it up one of my friends his name is muhammad he was telling me that tell zubi uh he is my legend and i think you are a legend (laughs) keep doing what you're doing i appreciate Muhammad is from the desert, never been to America, did not learn English. And I think he learned English from Joe Rogan. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Muhammad learned English from Joe Rogan. He's in the middle of the desert and he spent like five hours of driving and he put Joe Rogan all the time.
1: That's amazing. I'll have to let yes. Joe know that. That's cool. He'll appreciate that. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you so Absolutely, much for coming man. on the show, bro. Take care. Masalaam.
2: Absolutely. Masalaam, man. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Sick with the slang, sickin' I'm destined for pain. do for the fam, not for the gram. Stunning is destined for pain. pain. I do not front, I do not scam. Put some respect on my name. Hey. Sick like a rain clickin' a bang. Y'all gon' remember the name. Hey. Y'all won't remember the name. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.